This week's episode of Discovering Trek is brought to you exclusively by Fansets. Discover a whole new universe of pin collectibles with Fansets online at fansets.com. Lots of changes, lots of anticipation, and lots of patience. A huge behind-the-scenes bombshell recently dropped regarding our newest Star Trek series, and we're here to break it all down, talk about Season 1, and look forward to Season 2. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek. Welcome to the Summer Spectacular episode of Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Discovery Companion, presented by Fansets. As the Season 1 hiatus continues, we love that we still have so much to talk about when it comes to Discovery. As always, it's an honor and privilege to sit here with you and discuss the big changes taking place with regards to the show, as well as look forward to when Season 2 starts someday. Again, my name is Dan Davidson, and thank you so much for joining us. As always, this is the premier podcast to get the most in-depth discussion and analysis about Star Trek Discovery, and I cannot do it alone. Here to join me as we discuss all the current Discovery events is the man that runs the show over at Trek Geeks. And believe me, there are no leadership changes needed over on that podcast. He's my very special friend, my brother in Trek, and my amazing number one. He is Bill Smith. And for the first time, we are doing Discovering Trek face-to-face. I know. This is a little disconcerting. I'm glad you showed up to this meeting today because we are going to make some producer changes here. Wow. Okay. (laughs) No, buddy, it's great to be back. Uh, It's good to talk Discovery for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to Season 2 and uh, to discuss the things that we've heard so far. I think it's uh, some really great stuff. Yeah, it's great stuff, and it's very interesting stuff which has happened. But uh, before we get into that, Bill, why don't you regale our listeners with how they might get in touch with us to discuss Discovery as we await Season 2. Priority 1 message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Dan, hailing frequencies are open, and we're transmitting friendship messages in all languages and on all frequencies. You can discover us on Twitter at Discovering Trek. And on the Facebooks, we can be found at facebook.com slash discoveringtrek. There you can join in on the discussion and leave us comments, questions, suggestions, the whole nine. Plus, also, don't forget that you can send us a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash trekgeeks. But, of course, please remember that any comments you may leave us could be used in an upcoming episode of Discovering Trek. Nice. So, uh, for those of you who may not be aware, back on June 14th, our friends over at treknews.net posted a story that there were some major shakeups going on over at Discovery as showrunners Aaron Harberts and Gretchen Berg were relieved of their duties and Alex Kurtzman was taking over as showrunner. This was not due to creative issues, but rather for operational issues, according to that article. And I find that very interesting, Bill, that um, we've been very, very positive about all the writing that's going on and all the creativity behind Discovery. So to see something like this happening behind the scenes was a little bit um, surprising and a little disconcerting at the same time. I have to agree with that. I mean, you know, you think that throughout the first season of Discovering Trek, we've given Harberts and Berg a lot of credit for salvaging the mess that Brian Fuller left behind Mm -hmm. uh, in the wake of his departure. Um, There was a lot that needed to be fixed. There was a lot that needed to be uh, righted as far as the course of this series. And they really did a stellar job in, in guiding the show through its freshman season. 
the fact that it's not creative and that it is something like this really is is troubling to me. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, we hear about, uh, you know, hostile work environments, you know, and in, in the news and in, in, in TV and, and things along those lines. And we want to believe that Star Trek can be immune to that kind of thing. Yeah. But, and this is, keep in mind, we only know part of the story. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure we'll never know the whole story. But for what was reported... Um, if I worked in that place, I would have gone to HR, too, because there's no reason for anything like that at all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the article uh, talks about how Bergen Harberts became increasingly abusive to the Discovery writing staff, with the latter said to have leaned across the writer's room at one point and shouting expletives at a member of the show's staff. Now, we've talked about how awesome the writing has been all through season one of Discovery. I can't even picture that in my head because we've we've tweeted back and forth with several of the people in the writer's room they're all great people and i you know we're not in the room all the time i'm sure there's stress i'm sure there's things going back and forth all the time but like you said in today's world there's no place for that no and i'm sure in any workplace there's mitigating circumstances that stress people out and put them on edge Mm -hmm. but none of that justifies what is alleged to have occurred i mean you and i've stated on on twitter publicly that we love the writers for Star Trek Discovery. We support them. Mm-hmm. You know, we are glad that that they are there writing the amazing content that they're writing. And regardless of what the real story is, we stand behind them 100%. And, and this sounds like a change that, that was made for the good. And... Um, uh, I support it 100%. Yeah, one of the one of the more troubling aspects of the article on treknews.net was that after hearing rumors of these HR complaints, Harberts allegedly is a, said to have threatened the staff to keep concerns with the production and internal matter. Um, witness tampering? <laughs> <laughs> or, or I know I'm going to get fired, so shut your mouths. You know, the first rule about Fight Club is we don't talk about Fight Club, right? <laughs> Um, and, and that's a little bit of a lighthearted spin on it, but that sounds exactly like somebody who knows that they're going to get yeah. canned if this gets out. Um, so really the answer to this is don't do that. Right. Don't don't treat people who work, you know, for you or with you in that regard, because it's it's ultimately disrespectful to them, in this case, to the production and ultimately to fandom, I think. I find it interesting because, you know, if it's if it's in our workplace where we work together and something happens, yeah, it's not supposed to happen, but if it does, it's a little bit, you know, it's in a controlled environment. You've got millions of people looking at Discovery under a microscope at all times. And when something like this happens, it's going to explode into a much bigger problem than it already is. And I find it, I find it really um, amazing that the level of the severity of what happened actually got to that point based on that. Well, the other troubling part is, is we all know there's a, 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 a vocal minority of, of Star Trek fans that will say the, the negative things about Discovery every time they get the chance. Mm-hmm. We know that that exists. And when you look at the prospect of the third showrunner in two years, which is really what we're looking at. Yep. You've had Brian Fuller, you've had uh, Bergen Harberts, and now you're going to have someone new, which we'll talk about later on. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't exactly, you know, provide... Uh, a sense of continuity to those fans you know i'm sure the the gut reaction from those gatekeeper fans is oh well they can't keep producers on that show so why should i bother watching it yeah when you look at other star treks have gone through similar things look at the original series Mm -hmm. gene roddenberry left after the second season over dispute on the time slot with nbc sure and i'm sure nbc thought he was bluffing and he said no i'm out of here and that left freddie freiberger to run season three of tos right now 
people can say what they want to about season three of the original series, but there are some really good Star Trek in season three. Brain and brain, what is brain? Brain and brain, <laughs> you know, among other things, you know. Yeah. Um, so I take these things with a grain of salt. I know that there always has to be more to the story. Yeah. What's the old adage? There's three sides to every story, your side, my side, and the truth. Right. And I suspect that that's exactly what's going on here. Yep, absolutely. I agree. Also in the article, uh, budgetary concerns were mentioned which means that the remainder of the season, and as we record this, apparently the show is already near finished with its first five episodes, um, but the budget uh, will need to be a little bit leaner, a situation that has actually been a good thing for Discovery in the past. Uh, and according to The Hollywood Reporter, the showrunner change is not expected to affect the show's production, but it also points out that Kurtzman, who co-created Discovery with Brian Fuller, has a long history with Star Trek both on the big and the small screen. so He does. I mean, there are some fans who've expressed concerns about Kurtzman still being involved. I mean, I understand why they feel that way. Into Darkness was not the greatest film, hmm. but we've got 15 episodes of Star Trek Discovery, you yeah. know, which he is the co-creator of, mm -hmm. to sit back and go, you know what? Star Trek is being treated amazingly well with this series. It's true to Star Trek. It's some great television. And... Uh, it's, I said a couple of weeks ago that I can't imagine he's going to be you know, running this show for very long. As it turns out, he may not be. <laughs> <laughs> well, we shall see. Lots of great stuff uh, to look forward to. Like you said, we're and I said, we're a little bit nervous about what we saw come out a couple of weeks ago, but time will tell as it always does. So, Bill. Dan. Uh, you going to Vegas? I am, I am going to Vegas. Are you busy on Friday, August 3rd? I am a little busy on Friday, uh, yes, August 3rd. Are. <laughs> and so are you, my friend, as, as we are going to be hosting the only Star Trek party taking place on the legendary Las Vegas Strip for the second annual Fan Geeks Party, um, sponsored by Fansets and hosted by us, which is pretty amazing. So uh, last year we hosted it as Trek Geeks, mm -hmm. uh, which is who we are. I mean, yep. we are also the Trek Geeks podcast. And we had a, a wonderful party over at the other room at the Forum Shops at Caesars Palace, which is the exact location we're having it at this year. And um, nobody was sure what the turnout was going to be like. And it turns out Oof. less than an hour into the party, we packed the house. Packed it, baby. And everybody had a fantastic time. We gave away so much product from Fansets. So many pins, so many pin sets, so many complete collections of mm -hmm. pins and uh, we played stump the geek with the crowd which is always a favorite on trek geeks and it went over great and at the party but um you want to tell us what's going to happen this year well uh lots of stuff is going to happen this year it's fan sets tastic i think is what we want to say yes we yes, absolutely do. uh we've talked to the guys and girls over at fan sets and we're thrilled to be partnered with them again uh for this fun night uh on friday august 3rd from 8 p.m to 11 p.m pacific time we want everybody out in vegas to come on by and take part in the fun because as part of the fun like you said, they're going to be giving away lots of stuff. And to quote Lou from Fansets, the prizes that they are going to be giving away this year are going to dwarf the prizes given away last year. And anybody who was at last year's party knows those were some pretty awesome prizes last year. We gave away complete. We gave away you know the TNG thirty set, mm -hmm. you know, which was amazing. We gave away a full set of Star Trek Discovery pins. We gave away a full TOS set, Alien sets. You name it. I mean, based on what Lou has told us and the things they're going to give away, I, I'm 
truly stunned mm-hmm. that they're going to trust us to give away <laughs> all of this stuff. And the more people that show up, the more people have a chance to win right. some of this amazing stuff just for being there. Yep, exactly. And one of the things that I'm very honored and and proud to be a part of is this year we are going to have a special commemorative pin for this second annual Fan Geeks party. We are. It looks just like the uh, the legendary Welcome to Fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada sign. And uh, it's totally for Fan Geeks 2018. It's I'm pretty <laughs> excited by it. You know, on there you see fansets.com and trekgeeks.com. So, you know, we get some some dual billing there. Um, but everybody who comes to this party is going to get one of those right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Plus door prizes. Plus special prizes. Plus uh, trivia giveaways. Right. Plus who knows. And uh, all happening the Friday of STLV at the other room. With, that's the name of the bar. It's at the Forum Shops at Caesars Palace. Um and we we hope everybody shows up completely free. Yep. There's going to be drink specials and discounts on food. So come on and have a great time with some Star Trek fans. We've got the run of the whole place, including including the patio yes. on the Las Vegas Strip. Outside. The only Star Trek party on this trip last year or this year. And we're hosting. It's going to be awesome. And the other thing that's going to be awesome is we will have pumping through the speakers all night long, year one, year two, year three, year four, Trouble with Tribble, Spock's Brain, all of five-year missions music is going to be pumped through all night long because it's not a Star Trek party without five-year mission. A shame they can't be there in person. Yes. Um, we wish creation had, had chosen otherwise, but uh, we're going to make it as great a time as we can, and we hope everybody comes on out to the other room at the form shops at Caesars Palace, the legendary Caesars Palace, mm. I have to say. Um, if you're going to hold a party in Vegas... Why not hold it at Caesars? That's all I'm saying. That's that's all I'm saying. Fansets is pinpoint accuracy. See their entire line at fansets.com. And as always, we thank our friends at Fansets for being our exclusive sponsor of Discovering Trek for Season 1 and again for the upcoming Season 2. So, Bill... Let's talk about uh, what we know about season two, since we just talked about season two a second ago in, yeah. our, in our fan sets uh, little mid-roll. Um, we do have some information of what's going to be happening in season two. Not a lot, because they keep things very close to the vest, which I have no problem with. Mm-hmm. I want to be surprised. We do know the cliffhanger of season one. The Enterprise pulled right up to the nose of the Discovery. <laughs> we know that Pike is in command. Oh, my God, that ship looks beautiful. So what are some of the things that we should be talking about when it comes to Season 2 right now? Well, I mean, the first of which is, I think, the question I get asked the most, you know, either by friends or, you know, by by coworkers is, when is Season 2 going to drop? And the answer is, we've got no idea. When it drops. (laughs) That's when it drops. (laughs) You know, conventional wisdom says early 2019. Mm -hmm. At least that's what we've heard a lot on the Internet. When I look back to last year at this time, um, and by the time we got to STLV, they were pretty deep into filming. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were still filming after the show premiered. So I don't know if it's possible that we could see something this year in 2018. I think it's possible, but I don't know that it's necessarily probable. I agree. I'd love to see. Um, we've, we've seen a glimpse very quickly of some of some footage of what they filmed so far when they had that little two-minute vignette uh, earlier in the spring with some behind-the-scenes footage plus some, some images of what's going on. I hope that in Vegas they have a little bit more to whet our appetites, whether it's a trailer, 
whether it's some other kind of small little video about what they're doing because mm-hmm. like we talked about earlier they've already completed five of the episodes or just about done five episodes before they go on the planned hiatus before all of the changes took place a couple of weeks ago right so it'll be interesting to see one thing we do know uh, based on some information we found on the internets is that uh, there are going to be 13 episodes for season two at least that's what we know right now mm-hmm. that could change it was 13 last year to start and that got bumped to 15. So. Well, it, well, it got bumped to 15 because of that two-episode prologue mm-hmm. that essentially establishes, you know, what Michael Burnham sure. did. Michael Burnham's original sin, if you will. Yep. And I think that's the only reason why it was extended to 15. Okay. Because I think that Fuller, you know, probably went to the network and said, look, I need 15. Yeah. We've got this, but i got to tell this story. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, I mean, I don't know that that's how it went down, but that's how I imagine it did. But I think that 13 is, is probably set in stone to okay. some extent All right. I don't think it'll change and I think that 13 will be the norm for this series okay I can go with that uh, filming started on April 16th of this year 2018 and is scheduled to wrap up November 8th of 2018 so they will be filming while we're in STLV and, and continuing along but like we saw uh, this year might not be filming by the time the actual season starts especially if it starts in, in 2019 so that's very interesting they will be filming again up in Toronto Canada at Pinewood Studios um, so, so we kind of get the, 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 the ballpark figure, so to speak, of what's going to happen in season two. Yes. Um, Jeff Rousseau will be returning for music, which is just awesome. I'm really excited <laughs> about that. I mean, I, I have now both volumes of the Discovery soundtrack, uh, his music that he's written for the series, and it's, it's wonderful music. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I rank it right up there with, you know, a lot of the other albums from, you know, the other series. It's stuff I really enjoy listening to. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm really psyched that he's back on board. I'm glad there were no changes in that department because it tells me that thematically, at least from music, mm-hmm. it's going to be similar. Yeah, right. there's always going to be some differences based on what's going on, but it's not going to be so radical a change that we go, what's that? Sure. And I, I'll say that um, the the opening theme has become something that I've, I've really fallen in love with. At the very beginning, the first time when I saw it out in L.A. at the premiere, um, I, uh, I was like, the, it was it was. It was catchy and it was good, but it was like, okay, uh, what am I going to think of this? I love it. So much so now that I'll be in the car with my wife and and I'll just start humming that tune and she'll start humming along with me. So very happy to see uh, Jeff Russo's coming back. We need video of that. That's got to be That is never going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of, let's speak about the first episode. We don't know anything about it yet, of course, but we do know that new showrunner, Alex Kurtzman, which we'll get into uh, in a little bit, will be directing the first episode, the season two premiere, I think is very cool. I'm I'm very I'm very happy about that. I mean, Kurtzman clearly knows what he's doing. He spent enough time in television. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that he'll do a fine job. I I'm kind of happy that Akiva Goldsman is not back. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we may talk about some of those changes later. I'm yep. not sure. Yep. Um, because I don't read these outlines ahead of time. <laughs> um, Good homework. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Uh, but I I think it makes sense for Kurtzman to direct one or yeah. or, or possibly more. Who knows? Um, you know, obviously, it's his prerogative, his co-creator, and uh, and why not? Sure. Um, you want uh, some good news also? I'd love some good oh, news. Some good, yeah. It's always good news with Discovery, but uh, some guy that we're familiar with who kind of had some important things going on in Star Trek back in the day, uh, Jonathan Frakes, will be returning to direct Episode 2 and Episode 10, which was the same episode he directed in Season 1. Never heard of him. Who? Who? Well, yeah, what? Franks? Thomas? <laughs> Thomas, no, Franks. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm very excited that that Franks is back. Um, 
he's he's a director you know you know when you see his stuff you see his name on the screen as a credit you know it's going to be a quality episode mm-hmm. doesn't matter if it's star trek doesn't matter if it's some other property i mean he wants to direct an episode of agents of shield and i went into it going oh jonathan frakes directed this mm-hmm. oh i know it's gonna be okay yeah yeah so he just he brings a level of quality and understanding to the subject matter that i think is unparalleled one of the things that i like when we saw episode 10 everybody in the cast seemed to love what he did as director on that episode he really made people feel comfortable it was a very nice uh um uh kind of family uh type situation when everybody of course he's star trek so of course uh He's like one of the all-time greats in Star Trek. So it's good to see that he's going to be back for that episode. Um, let's talk some cast while we have it. Of course, all the regular cast from last year is going to be returning, with the exception from what, we being, what we're seeing online. It does not look like Jason Isaacs will be returning, at least as far as we know, in Season 2. Well, but, I mean, that's the thing. How can he really, right? Uh, because, I mean, you know, unless we... Unless we pull the old comic book adage of, you know, don't believe they're dead unless you see them die, and even that. Um, I can't believe Mirror Lorca's going to come back. No. and I don't think so, because he, like, kind of disintegrated. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Well, unless he's trapped, like, in the mycelial network somehow, Oh, right? true, yeah. And maybe it's, like, their equivalent of the Nexus to okay. some extent. Um, I, <laughs> how do you really feel? Um, but... I, I can't. I have a hard time believing we're going to see Prime Lorca. Now, of course, last uh, this whole season on Discovering Trek, we made predictions every single episode. Yes, and we were wrong ninety nine point six percent of the time, roughly. <laughs> but if we're going to make predictions, I'm going to say for here, right now, I don't think we're going to see Prime Lorca. All right, you heard it here, folks. Um, so, like we said, yeah, all the regular cast is going to be back, uh, including Wilson Cruz. Yeah, well, I think we've, you know, ever since the whole dust-up last year about um, the death of Hugh Culber Mm -hmm. and, you know, Wilson Cruz taking a Twitter and saying, look, it's okay, (laughs) there's more coming, and Aaron Harbert saying, look, this is not the barrier gaze trope, Yep. you know, there's more coming. I I took a step back and said, you know what, I have to believe that. Mm -hmm. You know, if if the actor who plays him is saying that, and the the guy who's running the show at the time is saying that, Mm. um, it's... I have to I have to take that as as truthful at some point. Right. So I never really bought into the whole, you know, this is the the whole barrier gaze trope. I have a feeling there's something more. Right. And whether it was the, you know, the the little speck of light yep. that landed on Tilly's shoulder or whether that's tied to it or not, um I have to believe that we'll see more of Culber and his relationship with Paul Stamets because I think it's an important relationship. I don't think they're going to just let that go by the wayside. You know, we may find out you know more of, of what it means for Stamets. You know, maybe he, maybe he has a hard time dealing with that loss in season two because mm. I mean, I think any of us would. So I, I'm glad we're going to see more of Wilson Cruz. I think he's great in this show. I think he's great for Star Trek, and I think he's just a fantastic human being. I love that guy so much. Yeah, and and uh, Aaron Harberts did say in an interview uh, over the winter or spring that that little. Dot of light that landed on Tilly's shoulder. Keep that in mind for season two. He did tease that a little bit, so it'll be interesting to see what that's all about. Uh, let's talk new cast because there's some new people joining, <laughs> and uh, we'll start with uh, Tig Nataro, who is going to be Chief Engineer Denise Reno of the USS Hiawatha. She will be guest starring in a number of episodes, and I kind of wonder if. Uh, we may be seeing a new chief engineer on Discovery since, you know, we've never even really seen engineering yet. Well, we kind of have, yeah, in a way. It's the lab to me. Well, but still, <laughs> I mean, 
I am. Um, if I'm going to make another prediction, I'm going to say I don't think we're going to see her uh, as a permanent fixture of Discovery. Okay. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have no knowledge. Um, and if I'm wrong, I'll obviously happily eat crow because, I mean, it just means we get more characters that we're going to grow to love, right? <laughs> right, right. So, but I just, uh, knowing that that, that Tig Notaro has a, a, a wonderful career in, in both comedy and in doing other work, I maybe that fits with maybe Star Trek fits with their schedule permanently maybe it doesn't but I have a hard time believing that that's going to become a permanent character on Discovery right now okay it's based on the fact that we just don't know anything right well if you may remember when Discovery season one ended we were all surprised a couple of weeks later with a little bonus scene that showed up online um Alan Van Sprang played a character by the name of Leland and this makes me extremely happy but I know it mean it makes some people very mad we are going to see section 31 in season two it was teased in in this little bonus scene and uh Van Sprang has uh is, is confirmed that he is going to be a recurring character throughout season two so section 31 lives yeah I love it I don't care what you say <laughs> <laughs> well, no, my, my problem with that scene, and ultimately, I mean, it, oh, was, I know. it was attached to the finale uh, at one point and then wasn't, and that's fine. But, I mean, Section 31 is a clandestine yes. organization of spies. Mm-hmm. And why they'd have their own badge that says, hey, I'm Starfleet, I'm not really sure about. So I don't know if this is another thing we're just, you know, that we've inherited from Goldsman, because remember, we saw those black badges for yes. the first time yeah. in episode three. Yeah. Which was the episode, you know, he directed. Mm-hmm. I think he probably wrote it too. Um, so, uh, am I ultimately am I glad that we're going to have some depth to season two in this case with a little section thirty one element? Yes, I love section thirty one. I just, uh, I think the, I'm not a big as much as I love the way the badge looks. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bit of a mistake. I know exactly why they have the badge in section thirty one. Why? Because fools like you and I will buy them. <laughs> and and I'm a fool because I have. <laughs> I love Section 31. I've always loved it since it was introduced in Deep Space Nine. So I'm looking forward to seeing if there's some good uh, history building on what they're all about, badge or no badge. So I'm looking forward. And any guy who can just, like, press a button and his trill spots disappear and then reappear again, that's some pretty cool special effects. Well, we saw some holographic tattoos yeah. in the you know, in the, the season finale for mm-hmm. season one, which I thought was fantastic. Yes. yep. I really love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm glad to see that Section 31 is going a little James Bond on us in a way. <laughs> I'm really excited by that. Okay, so Section 31. Mm-hmm. Yay. 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 The biggest thing, though, that I wanted to bring up when it comes to new cast members is Captain Pike. <laughs> and I got to say, Anson Mount, who will be playing Captain Pike, I don't... I mean, he is Cap- he's going to be Captain Pike. I mean, he looks like Captain Pike. He is so into the character already. We've seen a lot of his tweets. He's a big tweeter, so get on the tweets and, and check out what he has to say. He loves bringing his dog to the set, which I personally think is fantastic. But um, he's going to be in at least a few episodes, you would think. I, I have to think. I mean, you mentioned that, that vignette that we saw earlier, the sort of two-minute video. We've seen some, some very, you know... Uh, blocked views of some TOS looking uniforms. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Anson Mount is a fantastic choice to play Chris Pike. It'll be interesting to see which Chris Pike we get. You know, by the time we see him in the cage, he's he's burnt out. He's tired. Right. You know, he's he's tired of deciding who lives and who dies, right? Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see where that character is in, in his arc at this point. Right. 
because it's probably not far from the cage. We know that Discovery takes place 10 years before the adventures of the Enterprise with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. So we have to think that the cage can't be far off from this. So Pike could be exhibiting some of that burnout. Mm -hmm. He could have some of those same feelings. Maybe that adds to some tension. I think that's going to be very exciting to see. But Anson Mount is just killer casting for this role. He's a guy I've seen in a bunch of things. He was great on Hell on Wheels and AMC with Cole Meany from Deep Space Nine. He recently had been attached to Marvel's Inhumans on Mm -hmm. ABC, which was canceled pretty quickly. Yes. Um, So it's the only thing I'm happy about in that regard because it means he was available to play Pike. (laughs) And I can't wait to see what that has in store for us. Because like you said... We're going to see, we know we're going to see him in at least one episode. At least one, yeah. And probably a lot more. <laughs> I kind of hope when they wrap up the Pike storyline that if the, if it can be figured out to be the correct time that he's leaving the show, quote unquote, and he's on his way to the planet where uh, he lost uh, some screen, what what planet was that? Talos 4? Ta- no, no, no. Um, when he went to the, with a guy in the cage, the guy with the big shield was fighting when he had, oh. I forget what, I forget what planet. 7. Thank you, Rigel 7. Rigel Maybe 7. he's on his way to that planet as he leaves, but, you know, I'm and not may- in the writer's room, so I don't write this stuff. Maybe that's where the song Moon Over Rigel 7 comes from. <laughs> okay. A little Star Trek Five. I like that. Reference Yes, there. I like that a lot. So, so yeah, lots of cool stuff happening, uh, great cast announcements, and whether it be Prior to STLV, during STLV, or after STLV, any new news that comes out, we'll be sure to bring it right to you here on Discovering Trek. Black alert. Black alert. So, Bill. Dan. We talked about season two a little bit, um, and we uh, know that there's lots of stuff to chew on about those leadership changes behind the scenes that we talked about earlier in the show. Um, And even though we have our concerns... At the same time, I think you can agree that we're cautiously optimistic about what's transpired behind the scenes. Yeah, no, I think we are. Um, I think that it's not a show that, you know, is, is going to be paralyzed from some of these changes, I think. I think there are enough creative and dynamic individuals behind this show to keep it propelling forward at a quality level. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think they're I don't think they're making some missteps with some of these changes. I think they they make sense. I think it's good for Star Trek, and I think it's good for this cast and right. crew. Right. Well, in addition to the uh, big shakeup announcement from June fourteenth, just this past weekend, as we record, uh, which is today is July second, two thousand eighteen, um, we had another big announcement with with regards to discovery and leadership. So, uh, why don't you tell us about what's going on with that big news? Yeah, definitely, James Duff who was the creator of the TNT original dramas The Closer with Kira Sedgwick and Major Crimes with um, oh, most of the cast of The Closer and uh, Mary McDonnell from Battlestar Galactica Okay, um, has joined Discovery as an executive producer. Uh, he is already got some Trek cred to his name. He wrote the story for Fortunate Son from Star Trek Enterprise Season 1. As well as, you've seen him in the documentary For the Love of Spock, mm-hmm. if you've watched that, talking about the impact that, that both Spock and Leonard have had, um, and talking about the, the importance of Kirk and Spock. Uh, in addition, Ola Tunde Osunsanmi, who was a co-executive producer and a director of episodes 4 and 13 of Discovery's first season, has been promoted to executive producer, which is awesome. Yes. And Jenny Lumet, who had joined the team as a consulting partner for season 2, has been promoted to co-executive producer. 
Um, so I think a lot of these changes make sense. Um, between Duff and and Olatunde Osunsanmi, I think these are these are good moves. Uh, Duff no uh, Duff has obviously run the series before. I they haven't said if he's going to be running the show, mm-hmm. but um, uh, you know he he has a lot of experience and obviously he knows some Star Trek. So ultimately, I think that's good. I'm just glad that you can pronounce his name because I sure can't. Well, and I'm going to say this right now. I apologize to everybody in the Star Trek writers' room yes. if I blew that in any way. Um, because Dan gave me that name to read because Dan is horrible at reading things. Anybody who listens to Trek Geeks knows yes. this. Mm-hmm. So um, please convey my apologies uh, if I blew this at all. I think it was right on. Um, I, it's just a good thing his Twitter handle is at center will hold because that's much easier to say. <laughs> From now on, that's what we'll use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> excellent. Well, that is big news. Um, it seems that they're they're bringing in people that uh, will do good things for Discovery, and that's always good for the show and for fans. You know, and uh, I think that it you know they've they've made a couple of key promotions from within here too. You know, when you, you look at at Olatunde's resume, you know he's we saw him on After Track. We've mm-hmm. seen him, you know, in a lot of the behind the scenes featurettes on After Track. Right. You know, uh, Ted Sullivan, who tweeted earlier this week, you know, that he's very excited for this and, you know, how he thinks it's very well deserved. And, you know, sometimes the good guys do win. Right. Yeah, you know, it tells me that that he's a key component of this ensemble. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that they've taken this step because I want to see more of his work. Yeah. You know, the episodes he directed are fantastic. Yep. You know? Now, let me ask you this. Is it possible? Well, I think the answer is yes. I think I'm answering my own question. Even though he's an executive producer, he can still be a director of any of these episodes for season two. I think that'd be great. Sure. Because those episodes that he directed in season one were really good. You know, I I agree with you entirely. Yeah. I, well, before he was a co-executive producer. So, I oh, mean, that's true. Yep. You know, he, he absolutely can. I hope he does. I hope, he, I hope we see a lot from, from him and Frakes this season. Long range scan of planet complete. So normally at this point in Discovering Trek, we like to do our long-range scan. Um, we're in the hiatus of Season 1 to Season 2, so we can call this the semi, semi-long-range semi scan? Short-range scan? Short-range scan, yeah, that, that too. That'll work also. Because so. the Enterprise had those. <laughs> they right? did, absolutely. Yeah, that's whatever. <laughs> so um, uh, the showrunners have said a few times now on After Trek, uh, when Season 1 was on, and then at WonderCon, that the theme of Season 2 is going to be science versus faith. And I think that will be very interesting with the whole Dr. Culbert's uh, storyline and and what goes on um, if and when he comes back in episodes and how and how Stamets is dealing with the death. So science versus faith might be very important because Stamets now doesn't have the ability to use the mycelial network anymore. Right. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. But let's talk other storylines. We've hinted at a couple of them, of course. Captain Pike and the USS Enterprise, where we left off at the end of season one. That's going to be fantastic. Um, I hope he's around for more than just a couple seasons. I hope that the Enterprise is around for more than a couple seasons. Not to just you know, give fan service. Oh my God, the original series Enterprise, this, that, and the other thing. I think there could be some good story dynamic because there is the whole, you know, what's going on with Spock versus with his dad who's on the Discovery right now and they haven't talked for a long time. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle things like that. Um, Do do you mean episodes or do you mean seasons? Episodes, I'm sorry. Yes. Did I say seasons? Yeah. I don't even know what I say and I don't know how to say it. Well, I mean, this is a pretty (laughs) exciting topic. I mean, you know, You've mentioned, you know, that when you saw the Enterprise fly into the shot, you know, in the season finale for season one, you literally were jumping up and down in your living room and screaming. I was. And I think that I was not far behind. And we both t- terrified our dogs as a result. <laughs> but, you know, 
when you see the Enterprise on screen, there are things that you believe are going to happen that you want to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you you want to see the inside of the ship. I'm pretty sure we're going to see that based yep. on that two-minute featurette. Sure. You, you want to see Spock. And that's really the question is, are we going to see Spock? Yeah. There's that shot in the featurette of Burnham, you know, going through the open door of, of cabin 3F-123 on the, on the Enterprise, which is Spock's cabin number on mm-hmm. the Enterprise. But we don't know if he's on board. Right. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. Yeah. Maybe there's something that prevents him from being on board. Maybe that's part of the distress call. True. Because we don't know what state the Enterprise is in mm-hmm. when it arrives, you know, Good after point. Discovery. Uh, that would be interesting. That would be very interesting. I didn't think of that till you said it. So, you know, maybe there is some sort of conflict that, you know, maybe part of the Enterprise crew is stranded. Maybe part of the Enterprise crew is not on board the ship for some reason. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll see. Maybe nobody's on the Enterprise, and that's an automated distress call. Wow. Okay. You know, I just, who knows? You know, it's funny. People have been talking about, oh, my God, are we going to see Spock? Is it going to be CGI Leonard? Is it going to be Zachary? Which, of course, would not happen because... Zachary's with Paramount, not with CBS, and, and or who would play Spock? The other one, who would play number one? If number one is in, of course, Majel can't play number one. So that's something that has I've thought about from time to time also. It'll be interesting if they're able to bring one or both of these characters on the screen for any time frame that won't cause a huge tidal wave of emotion either for or against when it happens. I, I think we're going to see Spock. I, um, I think we almost have to see Spock. I, I don't think it'll be Zach Quinto, although it could. Yes, I understand that his, his version of Spock is attached to Paramount, but if they wanted Zach Quinto as Spock wow. in Star Trek Discovery, they would get <laughs> Zach Quinto as Spock in Star Trek Discovery. I mean, it's that simple. Okay. Um, I, I have to believe it's that simple. Yeah. I mean, that's why agents and, and, and producers sure. and networks deal with contracts. Yep. They'd find a way to make it work if it really was what was going to happen. Other than that, I can see them casting somebody new as younger Spock. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that, too. I can't imagine he's going to play a pivotal role. But again, I could be wrong because yeah. we just don't have any idea. I would like to think there could be a scene with him and Michael Burnham. That's what I would want to see the most. Uh, anybody who's read uh, David Mack's wonderful Star Trek Discovery book, um, Desperate Hours. Mm-hmm. Because I always confuse it with Dayton Ward's Jurassic the same thing. <laughs> But Desperate Hours has some great scenes between Spock and Burnham. Yes. And also between Captains Giorgio and Pike. Yes. Um, yep. It is a fantastic read if you haven't had the chance to read it. But I would love to see a scene between Burnham and Spock. Um, I, don't, I don't know if we'll see a scene between Sarek and Spock. And I don't know if I want to see a I scene. I don't think I would want to based on the fact that they hadn't talked to each other for 16 years. When when uh, Sarah showed up on on TOS, so that'll be interesting. But in regards to Burnham and Spock, I too would like to see that. But we have gotten a tease from Jonathan Frakes about a possible seeing a young Burnham and Spock in some kind of a flashback um, at a convention. I don't have the exact date, but uh, Jonathan Frakes teased that um, we may see a young Spock and Burnham in the episode that he was about to direct, which was episode two. So, could happen. You know, will it be a flashback? Will it be a mind meld? Mind meld, yeah. Um, will it be some other sort of, you know, Kotrick experience like mm-hmm. Burnham had with Sarah? Sure. Um, that we saw a couple of times during, yep. you know, season one. Uh, who knows? I, I'm inclined to believe it'll be a flashback or a mind meld. Okay. Um, because we don't know that she has that kind of connection with Spock. True. I'm inclined to believe she doesn't. Yeah. 
So uh, I think it's going to be great. I think I like backstory. I think backstory is good, especially for that character. Mm-hmm. I think we need to know more about Michael Burnham because there's a lot of gray spots in yes. in what we know about her that I'd like to see fleshed out. And some of the people, some of the some of the people that have spoke negatively about Discovery has been the fact that they're bringing in this character of Michael as part of Sarek and, and Amanda's family, and being able to fill in those gray spots, like you said, might help to smooth over some of those hard feelings. It might be difficult, but I think it'd be great. I don't think anything is going to smooth over <laughs> anything for those people. I mean, let's forget about the fact that Spock just didn't talk about his family. True. You know, in Journey to Babel. You know, his two best friends on the Enterprise have no idea True. that the Vulcan ambassador and his wife are his parents. Right. We get to Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. His two best friends have no idea <laughs> he's got a half-brother. Right. You know, another son of Sarek. So, you know, we know that it's only in Spock's nature to talk about things when they're relevant. And he wouldn't have talked about Michael Burnham before because it was never relevant. I imagine if somebody had asked him, hey, Spock, do you have a human half-sister or foster-sister? He would have said yes. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't think it ever would have come Uh up. So I think it squares with canon. I think that the people complaining about it just are looking for something to complain about. He's not the best co-host on podcasting for any other reason than stuff like that, folks. Um, Here's one thing that I'm looking forward to seeing in Season 2, and I really hope we see it. I've talked about it on Discovering Trek, and that's Saru. I mean, I love Saru. I want to know more about the Kelpians. I want to know more about what the hunter race of the Kelpians is because he's pretty formidable when he needs to be mm. as the race that is quote-unquote hunted on his planet. So I'd love to see what happens. Um, on the season finale of After Trek, the showrunners did say that we'd see more Kelpians in season two. And then... Um, at WonderCon, a former showrunner Aaron Harbert spoke about Saru specifically, saying, quote, You will learn more about Saru in Season 2. We had to lay some pipe early in Episode 2 of Season 1. What are those threat ganglia? What do they do? What do they represent in the Terran Empire and all that stuff? We'll fold back in when we're back on the air. So I think that's a little interesting, and I'd love to get some backstory. We're getting some backstory in some of the novels now. Um, but uh, it'll be good to see it on screen, so to speak. Yeah, I just uh, I've started reading Fear Itself by uh, by J.M. Swallows, um, which is a Saru-based novel. Um, some really interesting things about Saru's interactions with Burnham. There's a lot of Giorgio in there. It's it's definitely a, a story that is centered about or around his time on the Shenzhou. Mm-hmm. And uh, so far, it's a fantastic read. I'm hoping that some of this will fill in some of those gaps, whether officially or unofficially. I, I hope that some of it's official because it's some really great stuff. Yeah. Um, but it is a great read also in addition to the other two books. Yeah, I, I'm a huge Saru fan. Um, I want to see Doug Jones every second on the screen because he's just a fantastic actor. Um, and it'll be good to get some of that history uh, with the Kelpians. A couple other things that I know that uh, will probably come up in Season 2 that we'll, we'll, we'll gloss over really quickly uh, here today. And that's, we talked about it already, um, Stamets Future. What was that little little thing of light that landed on Tilly's shoulder? Uh, I think that those are interesting things that we need to... I don't want that to be a hanging thread, so to speak. I want to know what that was all about because they focused in on that specifically when that took place and that floated onto her shoulder. They can't just leave that hanging out like some of the things in Lost that they never talked about. Well, I'm wondering if this is the equivalent of uh, of Spock's mind meld in Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. 
you know, where he takes off the glove and goes, remember, mm-hmm. and implants his Katra in, in McCoy. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be that directly or, or tied to it directly, but I wonder if it's that kind of moment. Yeah. I wonder if it's something that happens and we're going to come back to it at some point. I don't think they're going to leave it hanging because I think enough people realize that it's important. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it didn't happen to anybody else. It happened to Tilly for a reason. Um, now, what that could mean for her could be very interesting. Um, knowing the the, <laughs> the the awkwardness that Tilly feels herself at times, that could make you know her her situation even more awkward potentially. <laughs> uh, but Mary Wiseman is such a pro that oh. she's just gonna she's gonna give or take whatever she's given and, and knock it out of the park. Yeah. But I think that that really the question mark is on Paul Stamets in season two. He is he has the potential to be in a not so great place. Oh, absolutely. And I think that I hope that we're going to see some of that struggle, some of that impact, because I have a feeling that this is going to be the kind of thing that could be with him lasting into season two. I agree, and it'll uh, kind of tell. I do know that um, I can't wait to see what Anthony Rapp brings to the character for this year. Uh, he did, I agree he did with such you. a great job with that. Um, speaking of other characters, one thing we haven't talked about at all was the race that pretty much was all about season one, and that's the Klingons. Who? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Klingons? <laughs> Where? <laughs> Where? <laughs> well, season one was pretty Klingon heavy. I have to believe that there's going to be a Klingon impact in season two, because mm-hmm. I don't think they're just going to send them away and we're not going to see them for a season or, or so. Right. I think that we're. I think we're going to see a lot of Laurel, and possibly Voke, um, in season two. I hope we do. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of unfinished business there. You know, the Starfleet has essentially installed Laurel as the, the you know, leader of the Klingon Empire for all intents and purposes, yes. saying, "Here you go. You can be the leader. Um, you know, here's that button. Here, here's that button. <laughs> you can command all the houses by threatening to kill everybody." Um, <laughs> But no, I mean, you know, they've essentially, you know, put her in charge. And I'm sure that's going to lead to some problems. I'm sure it's going to mm-hmm. lead to some conflict. Um, maybe what's happening in the Enterprise is, you know, has something Could to do with be. the Klingons. Sure. We don't know. be interesting to find out. I can't wait. 2019 can't get here fast enough. Uh, here's hoping it's not 2019. <laughs> My word. Well, Bill, as the off-season, so to speak, of Discovery continues, we don't really have a specific time frame for when we'll be back, but rest assured that we will have additional episodes sprinkled in throughout the time before Season 2 starts. Um, Of course, as we record, as we've talked about, STLV is right around the corner, and we we will be listening very closely for any Discovery-related stories uh, to bring to Discovering Trek. Absolutely, Dan. You know, we're kind of looking at this as the uh, the wrap-up of Season 1 for mm-hmm. Discovering Trek. And uh, we'll be back shortly after STLV with any Discovery news there to sort of kick off Discovering Trek's second season. And until Discovery starts weekly episodes, we'll we'll show up every now and then to, to tell people what we know and maybe have some special guests along the way. And um, when we do, we'll do all of that right here on uh, Discovering Trek. Are we going to do a face-to-face again? I hope not. I hope this not. This is terrible. Either. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> In the meantime, do remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or even by heading over to discoveringtrek.com. Plus, now you can hear both Discovering Trek and Trek Geeks on the planet's largest streaming service. That's right. You can find us on Spotify using your favorite mobile device. Nice. Well, folks, that is it for now. As always, we cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to us here 
on Discovering Trek, talking about Star Trek Discovery. We look forward to the next time we beam aboard to share our thoughts on Burnham, Saru, Tilly, and everyone else in the latest Star Trek saga. Until then, here are some words of wisdom from Captain Christopher Pike. You either live life, bruises, skinned knees and all, or turn your back on it and start dying. And until next time, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original Star Trek. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, is a production of Trek Geeks. Executive producer Dan Davidson. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out the Trek Geeks podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and trekgeeks.com.